Good Tuesday evening to all that are tuning in now and those that will tune in in the future. Hidden Treasures Revealed is on the air and me and Phil are with you and we will be back in. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Phil, good Tuesday evening. How was your day today? Had a good day. Uh, just taking care of some stuff at work, and I like it when I'm. I've got more stuff to do than less, and so it was. It was good. Enjoyed it. That is good. I, from us walking yesterday, I got a lesson from Yah, a concept, and was able to put it into practice today and put it into practice even as I'm speaking now. And when we were walking, you know how this is, you, you say something out of your mouth and are you evaluating it? Are you seeing it? And I made this statement. I said, cause I'd ask you if I speak really fast because at my job, somebody told me, well, Sean, you talk really fast. And I asked you and I said, do I talk fast? And you said, no. And, but in my discernment of myself, listening to myself, I think that I speak fast. And I did this. I said, well, am I supposed to just slow down, like making fun of? And you had said, well, if you need to slow down to force yourself to do that, then do it. And I thought, yes, I was being tongue in cheek with that. But with that, what it made me do is I'm going to really focus on not necessarily the speed, but just slow down in attempting to get it all out, get it all done, just slow down and listen to myself as I'm speaking. And we had just talked about this in our gathering with being methodical that when you're speaking to somebody else, be methodical in what you're doing to really know what you're saying and what you want to say so that you can deliver it in an effective manner so that somebody else can understand you. So today at my job, I put that into practice and really caught myself and focused on, let me just slow down what I'm saying, not be in a hurry to get everything done, just slow down. And what it helped me to do was it helped me to listen to myself better. It helped me to listen to other people better and actually get more done by slowing myself down. I used to be a big fan of NASCAR racing. And I remember something that one of the NASCAR drivers said years ago was the way to go fast is to slow down. And what he was talking about is that certain tracks that if you would drive the car really quick into the corners and be reckless, you would burn the tires up and you wouldn't 
really run the car the way it's supposed to be run. So slow down when you enter the corner so that you don't wear out the tires and you actually had a more consistent lap time. It makes me think of you put the car in cruise control. You think, well, I'm going 65. It just seems like I'm going so slow. But ultimately, if you keep that consistent speed, you actually get there in a more efficient time than speeding up to 80 and then going back to 65, then going to 70 and then going to 80 and the speed up and slow down. And I was just thinking about that today and really had some success in it. And really it was more for me to slow myself down in a way of not being anxious, not just rushing through, just slow down and listen to myself. And we know from the word of God that the word says, be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry. But you can also do that in your, your talking and your evaluation that be quick to listen to yourself and really, is this what I want to say? Is this how I want to say it so that I can be in control of what I'm saying instead of just stuff is just coming out of my mouth and I'm not evaluating anything that I'm doing. Make sure that I'm taking every thought captive and make it submissive to Messiah that does this line up with the truth of God is this the way that Messiah would speak it? Is this the way that's appropriate to speak? So with that, was thinking about that today and found myself in my mind, my thinking getting a little bit faster because and not every time, but it seems like with the podcast that mother will give me, things will come to mind and sometimes I'll get things during the day. Sometimes I'll get things right before the podcast. Sometimes I'll get it the day before. And this is one of those days where I was just really thinking and rolling and nothing was really coming to mind and asking mother for her help to just make it absolutely clear, whatever you want, I'll be thinking about things and just make it clear what you want. So I was thinking about that and getting into early evening after I got done with work and Nothing was really coming to mind. And then I started to ramp up my thinking, well, you know, I need to be coming up with something. Well, and that was the issue that me attempting to come up with something. That's not the point. It's to trust. And I was like, I know mother will make it clear. She always does. So I'm just going to just relax in this. And I had a few thoughts come to mind and it came a few times to, why don't you ask your wife about something to talk about? And I rolled that a little bit. I was like, yeah, you know, it's something I could do. And it wasn't, y'all didn't say directly, ask her. And if they would have done that, I would have went and asked her. But they were telling me to ask her. But they wanted me to discern it and evaluate. So I was thinking about it. And I was like, well, it's getting close to podcast time. Even if nothing does come to mind, I'm just going to trust anyway. So I made the decision that this keeps coming to mind. And I'm going to ask her. So I asked her. And it was this quick. And I asked her, I said, I ask you a question. What do you think we should talk about tonight for the podcast? And immediately right back, rest. Oh, that's a good topic. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, I did ask mother to make it absolutely clear what she wanted. And that answer was immediate. It wasn't any thought. It was just, and she said, it came to mind. So I was like, that's what we're going with. And the beauty of this, just like everything that mother does, because it is mother and Yeshua and Abba's podcast, they do what they want with this. They are the ones leading us. 
And this beautifully goes with what we've been talking about on the last few podcasts with division, with unity, with being in Messiah. And we have talked about this on the podcast if you haven't started with it, but it's something that's very important. And it's in regards to rest. And the scripture that came to my mind with this is in the book of Hebrews, which we mentioned Hebrews quite a few times, and all the books in the Bible are important. But this one here has a, a lot of good information about the godly living, the process, being in Messiah, which your life looks like, the purpose of God and their gospel. And in the fourth chapter, it's talking about the Israelites in the desert. And that actually had a specific passage where it talks about mother speaking, and it's about the people in the desert, that they were not walking in their ways, and it angered God. And it said, so I swore in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. And it goes on to talk about the rest of God is for the people of God, for those that are obedient, not for those that were disobedient, which remained in the desert. And it just got my mind thinking of, we had talked about the Sabbath and Messiah being the Lord of the Sabbath. And it just got my mind thinking about rest. And this is something that people in all walks of life, if you're in faith or not, you want to have that time of rest. You want to have that time to relax and go on vacation, rest from your job. When you get home from a job well done, you want to sit down, watch television, or go outside and do some yard work, something that would relax you. And it just made me think of, Yah is making a distinction here about there's a rest. And it says that there's a rest for the people of God. And for those listening that if you've read the book of Hebrews, or if you're wondering about it, that Hebrews was written for what is referred to as the Israel of God. And what that means is that is God's people, those that have been set apart, those that are called and actually are the ones that reach the fullness of faith, those that have circumcision of the heart. They are referred to as the Israel of God. Now, the Israelites are mentioned as the God's chosen people, but in the Word of God, there's a distinction that not all people that are from the actual physical line of Israel are of Israel, meaning the Israel of God, the church of God. And this is talking about those that come to the fullness of faith, that it's the remnant, those that are set apart in righteousness. And the rest is for those people. And what it is for us to understand is how do I obtain that rest and stay in it because it is a rest for the people of God and the people of God are those that walk in the ways of Abba, of Yeshua and mother that ultimately come to the fullness of faith because it makes it in another part of Hebrews to say, make sure that you don't fall short of entering that rest. And then my mind was just thinking about rest and Phil, because you have in your experience of being a builder contractor, 
I thought of the aspect of rest of this aspect that you're building a house and you build the foundation while you actually dig out a foundation, put in the foundation, then you start building on top of that foundation. You put the roof on, pull it, putting in your electrical, your plumbing, HVAC, and you have house, but then you have the interior, you have the carpets, the kitchen, the appliances, the painting, all those things. And you don't actually go inside and live into that house or live in it until the house is completed. And it made me think of this, that right now we're sitting in your house and you are at rest from building your house. You're not building your house any longer because you've completed it. So you are at rest in the actual building of your house, but you still labor in your house, taking care of things that go wrong, but you're not looking to rebuild the foundation, rebuild the walls that the, the house is set. It's complete. And you're now living in it. And it made me think of with Yah that is said that once Yah had completed their creation, that they rested from their work because what had been done, what they had decided to do from the foundation of the earth, the fact that Messiah, their son was going to come, he was going to die, be raised from the dead so that people could have the opportunity to enter into the kingdom of God, to have sin removed from them. And the creation that they made was for their son, that once all that was finished, that now everything that they have made now will function in the design that that they had set for it. Just like in repentance, that God will relent when somebody repents, but they don't, they've already made up their mind that if somebody truly repents, then they'll relent. That's already been set. So that's already done. So everything that they've done, as they said in their creation, that everything that they did, it was good, that now everything is good. And now I'm going to rest because I've already created what we've created. Everything has its design function. We'll go along as we designed it. And the same thing in faith, that we don't rest fully at repentance, but we do rest. This is an aspect of a threefold aspect, just like we had with baptism, that to have the fullness of rest, you must have circumcision of the heart. That is the rest that mother is talking about, that because of their disobedience, they will not enter into my rest, which is, and as mother was speaking, was that that is the place of being without sin, being in Messiah. That's the fullness. That's the rest that God is talking about. And ultimately, that, that perfected state would be the kingdom of heaven. But each step of the gospel message gives us an aspect of rest. That when you turn, when you see Abba as a terror and you turn to him, you repent. You walk in repentance to him and you're tested in it and tried. You find rest in that repentance because, hey, no matter if this gets better or no matter how this affects me, I'm never going to be okay with sinning. I have turned from sin completely and I'm turning to Abba. And you find contentment there. Not that you're done, but you have rest because you have forgiveness of sins, that you have a weight 
lifted off of you. Abba sees you. Okay, well now, in their discretion, I'm going to bring you to my son, where you can learn obedience. And even Messiah in his word himself, he says, come to you, come to me, all of you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The rest that he's talking about is a rest from a ultimately being in him. It's a rest from a guilty conscience because walking in repentance, you're still under the law. So you still sin, but in your mind, you've made it absolutely clear. You've set your mind that you were against sin, that you're not in agreement with it. And I will teach you the spirit of the law, which is it's not about perfecting everything all the way to a perfected state. It's about obedience to God, that that, that yoke of obedience is lighter than you carrying the whole weight of the full law. That's a, a, a weight you cannot carry. It's going to crush you. So I would give you rest from the aspect of attempting to be good enough and being justified by your own works is rest from that. Okay. Do the best you can be obedient to the law of God, to the best of your ability that I'm going to give you rest. And then from there, you're going to be tried tested to the point of you crucifying yourself with Christ, with Messiah. And, even as Messiah said, when he was being crucified, he said, it is finished. That when you put yourself to death, when you kill your selfishness, that you put yourself to death. And at that point, when you die and you are raised to new life, get circumcision of the heart, you are in Messiah. And therefore your death to your old self, the selfishness, it is finished. Therefore, you enter into the fullness of the rest of God because you now have the fullness of deity in bodily form. You dwell in, in his rest. You dwell in Yeshua Messiah in his rest, and you dwell in mother in her rest. And the word makes it clear that make sure that you don't fall short of the rest because just you walking in repentance, that leads you to salvation. That doesn't get you everything, but it's getting you to a point where you rest and the ultimate rest is having being cleansed of a guilty conscience before God, because you can now rest because you don't sin. You have no guilt before God. There is no punishment that awaits you unless you were a mother and then fall away and then hell judgment and fire is waiting that you can now walk as they do where you walk and you rest in your mind because you have the clear conscience, but you still labor and you still work because God has set aside works for us to be done from the foundation of the earth. And And what we're called to do is to stop our own works, to justify ourselves before God to where we've done something good enough. We've done something to justify ourselves that, we're now going to be accepted because of these works we've done. Yah is saying, no, stop. That's the point of the law, that every mouth would be stopped and all become guilty before God. That's the point of the written code to stop your mouth of justification that you aren't righteous because you're a sinner and you need to repent to me and find true faith in my son, which is the righteousness from God, that that's what will justify you. So 
we can live a life in Messiah here without sin and with rest in our mind, that we don't have to wait until the final rest place of the kingdom to rest. We can be at rest. We can have peace in our mind because of sin being taken away. And we now have the responsibility of working on our lower conscience when things are pointed out by mother to work on those things and to improve. We now live a life of improvement, getting better each day, but not any more condemnation over us. And that's the point is that find your place to have the fullness of faith so that you can rest and you can have sin removed from your heart and put on the body of flesh that we can when you die, that you can enter into the kingdom of God because sin has been taken away from you. And we can walk as Messiah did on earth because in him is rest and is peace where we put chaos to death. And Phil, it's interesting because I had looked up the word rest and looked up the Hebrew meaning. And just like different words that we think about, and it's not that we don't know all the words and things that we say, but there's so much more depth that rest means abide or abide in. There is a Sabbath rest for the people of God, a place to abide in me. Messiah himself said, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I know what the Sabbath is about because the day of rest, the day you could look at as capital D, the day of rest is when you enter into Messiah circumcision of the heart, that's when you rest. And now you are not under the law anymore, which keeps you working because you all demands perfection. It demands that you have to be absolutely perfect in order to be righteous. If you're going to be righteous by law, because you are required to keep the full law, no breaks, no breaking. Well, that's too much weight for anybody to carry. And that was put in place for a purpose to show you that you can't do this perfectly. It's not about being perfected. It's about obedience, which when you do that in my son, you will be able to be perfected in the end. But it also means to stop. Stop. Quit trying to be good enough before God by your own works. Quit thinking there's something you can do to be right before God because you did something, you said something, you were born to this family, somebody was a preacher, somebody was this or that. Stop all that stuff. Turn to us and get away from being under a curse. Get away from a place where you're just constantly working. You're just constantly going. Nothing is ever good enough. You can't get enough. Yeah, because you can't rest. Because no matter what you do, no matter how much money, you, no matter what position you have in the world, you are never going to be satisfied unless you find true faith in Yah, because that's the only way to get away from the curse of sin. It's the only way to have sin removed from your heart where you have peace with God, because that's ultimately the terror that your whole life you're running from punishment that you know is going to come in the form of hell from God that stop running from it. Face God as a terror first so that the terror, you can have a reprieve from terror and become a friend of God, and then therefore you can recognize God no longer is a terror. Now, you revere God, you get to a point of respect, and because of that respect, you will continue to walk in obedience, but Yah is not waiting to punish you. They are wanting to be your friend. Now, they will still discipline, 
but they can be a friend because you walk in their ways and you do what is pleasing in their sight. You walk in com- complete obedience. Well, you walk in obedience the best you can that it's not about being perfected. It's perfecting. But even though we labor, we can have rest in our mind and no matter what we're doing, if we're working, if we're on vacation, whatever we're doing, we can have peace and rest where we don't have to look at Mondays as drim and drab. We don't need to look at a rainy day as bad. We can look at every day is a good day because I've got the fullness of faith. There is no condemnation waiting for me. I have opportunity each day to learn more and improve and get better. There is no more sin that that should propel us to keep driving forward and live in the house that we are in and continually to grow. Cause the word says that we're building a spiritual house, presenting spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Yah through Messiah. So in this aspect of faith, you build your own spiritual house and make sure that the one that's dwelling in it is Yah and that they're able to dwell in you because there's no sin because of being in Messiah. And we can come to the place where we have unity with God and then we'll have unity with other people. Just as we talked about with denominations, denomination is a separate break off of something doing its own laws. Well, no, with the rest that's for the people of God is only for those that find the fullness of faith in Messiah, that the unity is where the rest is, the complete agreement with God, no condemnation, And that's ultimately where you must get in order to enter the kingdom of God. Because if you're standing before Messiah at the final day at the great white throne judgment, and he doesn't see mother, he doesn't see circumcision of the heart, then he's going to say to you, get away from me. I never knew you. You practiced lawlessness. You didn't rest. You were still to do what you do, what you did to justify yourself by the works of the law. And that's not accepted. No, you didn't find your place of faith in God by finding your place in me. So get away from me. And the teaching that's out there, people would say, well, I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, so this this is talking about me as entering into the rest of God. Well, no. In order for you to have the fullness of rest, you have to be in Messiah, and you must go through the gospel message in order. As we've talked about many times, you must come to repentance so that then you can then go to obedience and then trust and have the fullness of deity in bodily form because you have that full union with all three aspects of Yah, the father, the son, and the mother. And therefore you then return to the state of the garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve walk with God in the cool of the day conversation back to that place where you can go through the flaming sword, which was mother, which was put in place to keep them out of the garden entering through the word of God by circumcision of the heart. And it's a beautiful thing because going back through that, uh, guarding the way to the garden of Eden, you have the flaming sword flashing back and forth. Well, that's the word of God. And in order to go through that, you've got to be cut with that sword. You've got to have the circumcision of the heart in order to enter back in where, uh, Adam and Eve were driven out. So Phil, just that was, this was what was on my mind afternoon in regards to rest and that it's just so important that this isn't what we talk about is the truth of God. And this is not only for now, 
but it's doing these things, walking in faith in God so that this goes on to the kingdom to come, that what we have here, the treasures in heaven that we store up, that we're able to carry those and benefit from those in the kingdom itself. You had spoken about the aspect of building a house like I, I built my house. I did it through the company that I had. <clears throat> and looking at the process, it's important that you recognize that there is a process uh, this isn't like back in the old days where you could build your log cabin and you didn't have to worry about somebody's coming to check on it. In this day and age, we have the uh, building and zoning commission and they have their inspectors and you have to go through a process before you can actually live in that house or use that place for a um, restaurant or business or whatever it is. And in the building and owning, there's something called a C of O. Okay. And what that is, is a certificate of occupancy. And legally, you're not allowed to dwell or reside in that building until you have the C of O. You don't get the certificate of occupancy until after what you have, what you what they call your final inspection, which finalizes everything in the inspection process. And then when all that has passed, then you can go to the uh, building and zoning and get your certificate of occupancy. And again, everything that's out there has some tie to YAH and the avenue at which to do it. And just this aspect from building and zoning by getting a permit and working through to the certificate of occupancy is a similar concept when you have the with the aspect of building a, a house of faith within yourself that the first step the first thing you have to do is you have to have a plan and you take it to the building and zoning and they have to approve it so so you have to apply you have to submit plans and apply for a permit which gives you then permission to then start on the work and then work it through. And then there are various stages where you have inspections that come along. You have your uh, foundation ins or, or your footer inspection. And then you have your, uh, your framing inspection. And then you have your uh, electrical, plumbing, HVAC, uh, those types of things and their individual inspections. <clears throat> and those are rough in, it's called a rough in. 
one one's a framing inspection and then you have like plumbing electric or hvac it's a rough in which means it's just your base stuff that goes in behind the walls before you put the drywall up and you have to pass all those inspections before you put the drywall up or they can make you take the drywall down so they can see it to make sure that it passes the inspection so you don't want to get ahead of yourself and try to move too quickly without going through the proper channels in order to do it and just the aspect of you make a decision that you want to know the truth about God. Okay, so then your application process is you're seeking with all of your heart. Then God goes through the, the okay, what's your plan? And what the meaning the plan is, is that, well, I'm seeking with all of my heart, and God's going to test you in certain areas to make sure to see that you're seeking with all of your heart. Okay, now we give you the approval. So now you can uh, you can start the work, but at each point in time that a phase is done, you have to be inspected by the appropriate inspector. The plumbing inspector doesn't do the electrical. And the electrical inspector doesn't do the HVAC. They, there's, they're set aside. Now, some, some places have inspectors that will do all the phases. Uh, in the past, it was more set up from my, you had plumbing inspectors, you had electrical inspectors, and you, so they split it up from that perspective. But each one of those inspections deals with an aspect of the gospel message. So you apply with the seek God with all of your heart. Then when God sees that you really mean it, okay, then they'll walk you to a place to see, okay, you got to get your believe in God inspection or that you believe God first. And then you believe God, you get, you pass that inspection. Then you move to the believing in God. Okay. Well, your passing of that inspection is when you truly repent, give absolutely everything over to God. Okay, you're going to be tested in that. We're going to come in. We're going to check out the work that you've done and see if it's fitting or not. And if it's not fitting, then we will uh, let you know that you failed because of this and this and this. And you have to go back and make the corrections in order to pass. So then you call for a reinspection, and there's many people who think that they've had their inspection of repentance towards God just because they've expressed sorrow and they've expressed the fact that Messiah was the son of God. But no, that doesn't pass muster. That's not going to pass the inspection. And then each step, as you go along, you believe in God, you repent. Then in your repentance, then you move to the aspect of obedience well, you start building that obedience perspective, then the inspector has to come in and inspect your obedience. So, so we're going to give, we're going to tell you things to do that are hard, that are challenges, just to see if you're going to obey. And then 
so each step in the process is just like another step in the building where you have to have an inspector come in. And I know for me, one of my tests on this obedience perspective was when I, I had my own business, I was working on a job and I had walked outside. I was in the front yard of the house that I was working on and God plainly said, this is the last job you're going to do until I tell you otherwise. And I didn't understand how it was going to work without me bringing in an income. But I knew it was God that told me. And I was like, I'm going to do it. It was God. God said to do this. I'm going to do it. I know they said that I will supply all your needs according to our glorious riches. Okay. Well, I know God said that. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't see the end result in it. But I'm I'm going to do what they said. And that was just one of the areas of them uh, doing the inspection for me on the obedience. Start a church. Same thing. Are you going to do it when... It goes against what everybody else is saying, and people are telling you you're crazy. And would you quit your job for? And how are you going to family? And you know, if a, uh, if a man doesn't support his own family, he's he's worse. And it's like, now you don't understand. When God tells you to do something, if you want to obey God, you don't care what other people think, because it's not you that told me, it's God that told me. And you can't tell me God didn't tell me that. Only I can figure it out through discernment. And I know it was God. And so each step, you have to have that inspector come in and inspect. Are you seeking with all of your heart? We're going to inspect that. And, and we're going to see. Even when things are happening that you don't understand, or are you still going to seek with all of your heart? And you're going to meet those challenges. And if your mind is truly set and seeking with all of your heart, then you'll be able to pass that inspection. But remember, we work in the circular, not in the linear. And so that seeking carries you through to the next step. But you also use that seeking in the next step of believing God. And then you use that in the believing in God because you're continually seeking more and more. So that helps you. And each step says you continue on. It's, that's just your rough in inspection. But everything in the house from the electrical, the plumbing, the framing, the HVAC, all those things have to be, they have to pass a final inspection. And once you've passed the final inspection, then you can get a certificate of occupancy and in equivalent, or in equivalent to uh, faith, your CFO, your certificate of occupancy, which is when you're able to occupy, be in Messiah, that is when you have circumcision of the heart. You have passed all your inspections. And so... Now, 
that I've passed all the inspections and I have circumcision of the heart, I have the certificate, the certificate that I get to occupy in Messiah. So the, but the, 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 the work doesn't stop. The, the, now we go in and we move in and we decorate and we do, you know, we, we, you buy furniture, you move your furniture in. And then when you move your furniture in, you move it around multiple times until you find a place where you like it. And then as you live in that house, you will constantly be moving and working within that house. And it's the same concept as faith. We still move and work in faith just because we have circumcision of the heart doesn't relieve us of any responsibilities. As a matter of fact, it gives us more responsibility to have circumcision than it does to not have circumcision of the heart. We, we, because more is expected of us and the, that's how it works with the faith journey at seeking with all of your heart. You're not expected to be what it takes to have circumcision of the heart. No, you're just expected to be at seek with all of your heart. And then as you seek and you see the things, then you believe God. And because you believe them, you decide that they're, that the Lord is good. And now you believe in them, which brings about the repentance. And again, it's each step in the process and you're not going to get one over on the inspector. You're, you're not. And people have done this in the world where they, they try to get by with not doing, or they argue with the inspector. They hide things. They try to bribe the inspector. And that happens that, you know, you, offers offer some money and you take them out to lunch and pay for their meal and it happens but it doesn't happen with god you have to pass all your inspections and you have to pass them above board so that you can move to the next one so that you can eventually get to that place of having the certificate of occupancy, giving you the ability to dwell in Messiah. Also, because you're building a spiritual house within yourself, that certificate of occupancy allows you now to be occupied by the spirit, by mother. And so just as you were talking about that before, that just came to mind. Uh, just to be able to bring it out and talk about how that process ties into faith and just about everything that I can think of, or I would say everything that I can think of from a worldly perspective will tie to faith in God somehow, uh, even if it's to a rejection of it, it still speaks to it. So just uh, when we look at that aspect, you don't get to enjoy house. You don't get to live in it until you have that certificate of occupancy. And then that's where you get that rest. You get that ability. Okay. I don't have to build 
the house anymore. Yeah, I'll go through and we'll decorate things and we'll adjust some things and, you know, we'll paint walls and then repaint walls and then paint walls again. Uh, just because, well, I want to, I want to do something a little bit different and make a change. And that's the whole process of continuing to learn in faith, how to live in the rest of God, because in order to, to recognize the rest of God, you have to be able to, uh, understand what you have when you're in Messiah and you have to believe in the promises of God in Messiah. And when you believe in those promises, you trust that you have all the promises of God or yes to you. And you recognize that that is what's supposed to give you that peace that surpasses all understanding because that's what this rest that the second rest that God spoke about is the rest that gives you that peace that surpasses all understanding. The rest from the old Testament perspective was to rest from your physical labor so that you can rejuvenate, be ready for the next, you know, as we start into the next week, instead of being people have off on a weekend, but did not get rest. And you can tell because they're all downcast or dreading going to work on Monday. So if you've really had a restful weekend, you're ready to go to work the next day. And Mondays, like you had brought up, Mondays is this big uh, gray cloud that people look at. And, oh, my gosh, it's Monday. Oh, it's a Monday. And it's a Monday. But that all has to do with the fact that you're not resting over the weekend. You may be, you know, you're not at work, but you're at home doing multiple tasks, multiple jobs, and then you you do stuff around the house and then somebody invited you to dinner and then you go to dinner and then you want to do something after that. And so you don't get the rest. And then when Monday comes, you're like, oh my gosh, it's Monday already. Oh man, I don't want to go to work. And some people will, I don't know, my stomach's not feeling good. And you know, I, I... I'm just going to call and say, uh, I'm not, I'm not feeling good. And it all has to do with the fact that you didn't rest. And there are a lot of people that claim to be in God that don't have that peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's necessary. If you have the peace, if you're in the rest that God was talking about, that's that peace that surpasses all understanding. And you get a great avenue of peace because it's not just peace from your works. It's also peace from fear. It's peace from sin. It's peace from the enemy. You, you, because you have rest where 
well, the enemy can't, they, they can't make you sin. You, and tower, they, there's nothing they can do now. Can they talk to you? Can they um, try to get you to change your mind? Absolutely. But there's nothing they can do. You can only be tempted as the way the scripture says, when by your evil desires, you are enticed and drug away. And when that becomes full, then it's sin. But it's up to you whether you're enticed or not. And if you're in faith and you're walking into faith, you're walking away from the enticement where you're those things that used to entice you, you have been working on programming that you uh, despise those things rather than are enticed by those things. And it's a continual process that we work through. But the rest of God, like you had said earlier, what is that rest from? Sin. It's, it's your, from the works of the law. So if you never strived to live according to the law of God, how can you find rest in Messiah from that if you set aside the old covenant because, well, that's the old and that's, no, you've got to walk through it and you have to work it as though I'm going to fulfill this. And now I'm not going to, I uh, think that it's going to bring me salvation because that's ridiculous because that's what the son of God came for. If I could do it on my own merit, then Messiah came for nothing, but he came so that we could follow in his footsteps and walk as he did. And there's a peace and that rest for the people of God. And you can, yeah, I've got peace. And you'll hear peace, brother, peace, brother, peace, brother. But if you were with them an hour later or later on that night when a, you know, something tragic happened to them or some struggle came along, you would see that they don't have peace. They're just telling you peace because they want you to think that they're at peace, but they're putting on a mask of, yeah, hey, everything's good. Good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's good. But they know you can't fool yourself. And when you find that peace that surpasses all understanding, it's an amazing place to be. I, I know that. And I promise that that is uh, an amazing place to be. But you're not going to get there unless you apply to build the spiritual house. You apply for the permit, and then you go through each step in order to get your rough-in inspections, and then you can move on to the finishes, and then you get your final inspections, and then you can move on to getting your certificate of occupancy, which allows you to occupy Messiah, allows you to be in Messiah, and then it allows mother to be in you, within your heart. <clears throat> and so that was the, uh, the major thing 
uh, at the beginning of this that came to my mind, uh, especially because doing construction most of my life, um, except for the last, I guess, well, since I stopped working, uh, I, I stopped the business. And uh, so for the last 14 years, uh, otherwise my life was construction. And so it just makes perfect sense when you lay that all out and correlate it, cross your ties to the spiritual perspective. And if you do, if you do it that way, then you will see that you will build the spiritual house that you can occupy and mother can occupy, but without the certificate of occupancy, you will not be able to be in Messiah and mother will not be able to be in you. And part of getting that, and you spoke to it earlier, is that you must do away with sin because the inspector is going to come in and see, nope, you still have sin. Mother's not going to live in your heart. The spirit is not going to live in your heart because you have sin. And until that's done away with, mother can't occupy. And so you have to pass the inspection with Yah, vision of the heart, okay, you're not sinning anymore. And I know it because I don't have a guilty sense, and therefore I know that I have a certificate of occupancy and mother's taking over and doing those uh, things. But it is truly about rest at which uh, God wants us to have. It's not a rest of, it's not lazy. God doesn't say be lazy rest. And so you rest from your work. Well, think about Yeshua, that Pharisee, Sadducee to him and his disciples when they were plucking the heads of grain on the Sabbath. And what are you doing healing on the Sabbath that you're not supposed to be doing these things because it's the Sabbath. And they were attempting to justify themselves that, hey, we have the law, we're keeping the law, and you're not. And Messiah turns to him as, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I know what this means. It doesn't mean that you don't labor, because we have another instance where he says, if one of you has a neighbor that has a sheep fall into a pit on the Sabbath, are you going to just let him stay there? Are you going to do good on the Sabbath or do evil? In their programming, they were stuck on traditions because their teaching was, well, we have the law. We have these things given to us by God. Therefore, we're God's chosen people right before God. And what they didn't understand was, is that to be right before God is to have faith, which means to obey God. And yes, they were given the law, which Yah gave them the law, but their responsibility was to live that law the best they could to obey it and then take it to other people because the even in the Old Testament says that when people see that you're obeying this law, what great God is this that has such a beautiful, wonderful law that these people follow it? It was to get them to fear the Lord. And that's why even that's why God gave them their law is so that you would fear God and not sin. That was the point of it. It was to tell you, obey me and stop sinning. It wasn't to justify you. It was to show you, just like the word says, it was to stop you to say, stop justifying yourself to think that you're right before me 
by keeping any kind of written code. It's never been about that. It's always been about obedience. It's always been about you desiring to walk in Yah's ways. That's where the righteousness was and still is in the obedience part. That's the spirit of Messiah. That's the mindset of the prophets of the Old Testament of it was the spirit of Messiah in them that no matter what God says, I'm going to obey God. I'm not obeying God because a law says it. I'm obeying God because I want to obey God. And that's the thing is that it starts out as obligation because you have to obligate this law or you're going to be punished by God. What it does is it real, it reveals your sin. As Paul says that I didn't know what sin was until the law told me that the law killed me, that sin sprang to life when the law came. So the law was to put sin out of its dormant state into its active state. So as long as the written code is still alive for you, then you still sin until you crucify yourself with Christ. The written code is nailed to your cross. Then you're removed from under the law because you're dead to the law, which is dead to the written code, not to the law of God that now you can be married to another. Now you can be joined to Messiah because you've been put to death just like him. That even though Messiah didn't sin, he had the sin nature within him that had to be dealt with. And that's why he had to die. And then now sin is removed. The sin nature was removed from him, but because he didn't sin, our sacrifice with his is acceptable before God. The rest in this is yes, it's rest from sin, but it's also a transformation from obligation to willful. If you do something out of obligation, it will be torture for you. If you do something out of willful, it'll be pleasure for you. You had mentioned the Monday morning. Well, why is it? Oh my gosh, it's Monday and I got to go to work and Oh, I got to go to work. I have to, Oh, there's that obligation. But how about this? It's Monday morning. I want to go to work and I'm going to enjoy my job because I'm in, I'll, I'm going to enjoy it and I'm enjoying the work I'm doing. So it could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, rain, snow, blistering heat, cold weather, doesn't matter. And that's the other transformation of the rest is when you transfer from for a time under obligation under the law to walking in the law that you do it willfully, that that's a rest as well because Phil, you've heard this saying in the world, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And why do people come up with that? What's well, not work for me? I, I drive a race car or I'm a NFL quarterback or, or whatever. And man, it's not work for me. I enjoy going to work. Well, that that's the thing. You'll still labor because God didn't say that you rest and you do no labor. No, that there's works from the foundation of the earth that we're called to do in Messiah. But when you change your mind, to it's what you want to do and you get that into your heart to where it, it brings a desire and you're doing it because you want to. what a rest that is because this isn't work for me this is something i really enjoy doing so it isn't just a rest from the guilty conscience it's a transformation to escaping hell to obedience to god from a willful heart and that's what god is looking for Yah wants a cheerful giver somebody that wants to do this for them that enjoys it because they want to do it. That's one of the things we talked about submission that comes around. People get upset about that. If you talk about submission, men or women, that if it's not a willful thing, it's not submission, it's forced or it's obligation. 
So if somebody says that I'm submitting to somebody, if it's not something they really want to do, then it's not submission anyway. That's why when it talks about uh, being submissive to each other in the word, as well as women, be it submissive to your husbands, it's meant to be a willful thing. It's not to be forced. If you feel like you're forced, then you're not submitting. It's got to be a willful thing in order to be true submission to God. And that's what God wants is that you do this because you truly desire to do it. And that's what you are doing it for. We will still do work, but it's the mindset in which we do the work. And Phil, I had this thought. With the job that I have, that I'm able to work for this company and do what I'm able to do, I'm doing the works that have been set aside for me to do as my job prescribes it. Until I actually was a part of that company, then I'm not going to be able to do the work that was set aside for me to do. And it's the same thing with faith that if we try to justify ourselves by works to say, just like the rich man that came from Messiah and said, well, what do I need to do to get eternal life? You know, the commands do these and live. All right, well, I've done all these things. So in his mind, he thinks he's right before God. He's done all these things. And Messiah says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Well, he didn't say there's nothing you have to do. He said, obey the commands and go and sell everything and come and follow me. Well, he didn't do that from that record. And he went away and didn't follow Messiah at that point. So we we're told in the word that there are works that we are predestined to do in Messiah, but it's works by faith. It's not works to justify and to earn anything because the word says it's by grace. We have been saved through faith, not by works, lest anyone can boast. So it's not based on works. It's based on grace, but in grace, there is work to be done. But the point of that work that's to be done is to be willful where you rest in what you're doing because you're in agreement with God because you want to do it. And therefore, what is there to get upset about? What is there to fear? Because you're at rest. It's just like if you and I were enemies and we now have peace and we're around each other, there's no reason for me to not rest around you because I have reconciliation. We're no longer fighting. We've come at peace with each other. There's no reason to not walk around because we're in full agreement. And that's what it it must be in the body of Messiah, that those that are in Messiah are at rest because I'm not attempting to do something to gain favor of God. I'm doing it because I really want to do it because I trust God. That's why I'm doing it. I want to do what's right. It's, it's all these other things to where there's no reason to fear. And all of this is a process with circumcision of the heart that you will, things will come up from your lower conscience, things that the body of flesh does that come up that you deal with and put to death. So it's a continual process of getting things out of the lower conscience that are dysfunctional putting in things that are functional and the more chaos that we put to death, the more rest, the more peace we're going to have anyway. So the point is when you enter into Messiah, you have the ability now to have that peace that's beyond all understanding, but you have to embrace the peace that you have. It's just like if you just bought a new car and you just brought it home and parked it in the driveway and you don't drive it, you don't do anything, then whose fault is that? Well, you can't blame the dealership because you're the one that bought the car. You're the one that did nothing with it. You're the one that didn't enjoy what you have. So it's on you to enjoy the faith that you have to rest and embrace and know what you have. And therefore 
Because if not, you could be all frustrated and mad and there's no reason to do that in, in that situation because you have the fullness of faith. So the rest aspect is a, once you obtain to that fullness, that certificate of occupancy, then now the real works begins. Now we're putting it on you to maintain this house and take care of it and continue to make sure that just like in here, you put a ceiling fan in where you could say, no, I'm not putting one in. Well, it would really make the house a lot more restful if this room was a little bit cooler. So go ahead and put the ceiling fan in. Let's paint the walls. Let's put some new doors in. Let's put a new air conditioning unit in. And it's just making it better and better that you'll be able to enjoy living in the house. Pleasing to those that live in it, because remember, the fullness of deity in bodily form means that Yah dwells in you. So are you making it a house that's pleasing to God for God to dwell in, not just for you? And um, I found it fascinating when you mentioned the plans that I was reading just recently on Facebook that somebody says, well, we live by Jeremiah 29, 11, and it has the scripture in there. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, Abba and Ima, from the foundation of the earth, they have the set of plans already put in place. They have the gospel message already put in place. So when you seek with all your heart, and I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, bless you, and give you a hope and a future. So find your place in my son, that when you seek with all your heart, that these are the plans I have for you. And as long as your plans line up with theirs, oh, here you go but I'm going to make sure that I inspect you at every level. Just like you said that at repentance, I'm going to come in and inspect and make sure that you're ready to move on to my son, that you don't pass the inspection. No, you still need to stay here. You need to stay in the desert. You need to stay until you move on to the next step. And same thing with Messiah. All right. Are you at the point of, and I could just, just came to mind. I can see Yeshua looking at somebody and saying, are you the, are you at the point of shedding your blood for your fight against sin? All right. Well, th this is something that's necessary. You do it. And then, okay, well, now you'll move on to my mother who will now come in and you're going to be living a life of trust now. And it's going to be a life of fire. It's going to be a life of struggle, but you can handle it because you're, you've set your mind to get rid of selfishness in this aspect. So th this is one of those where just with what we talk about with God, the, as you said, the circular aspect that there's so much depth to this. But the thing that really stood out to me was in Hebrews where make sure that you do what you can not to fall short of it. Because if you get it all the way to the point of the certificate of occupancy and you don't get that certificate of occupancy, all the work that you've done up to that point, you stand before Messiah and where's the certificate of occupancy? Well, I did everything I could in it. Yeah, but you didn't finish it. That make sure that before you leave this earth, before you that you have the certificate of occupancy, because if you don't, just like with the parable of the virgins and the oil, if you don't have your oil, you don't have mother, that you stand before the bridegroom and he'll say, get away from me, or you'll be on the outside. So just a, a warning from scripture, which is a good warning to help those to find the, the fullness of it. You got a scripture? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I do, but... Um, the peace that God talks about, the, the rest that God talks about, in essence, is peace, okay? And this rest is not momentary, meaning that, okay, 
today, yeah, today I'm rested. Uh, I've, I feel rested. Uh, so I have that rest of God. And then tomorrow, man, everything's just crazy. And it's just, uh, there's so much turmoil and I'm, I've got all this stuff that's on my mind. And so I don't have peace, but I claim I have the peace of God, but you don't because the peace of God is intended. This day of rest is intended to not be a day like it was laid out in the physical perspective. And don't get me wrong. It's good for you to take a day in this world to just sit at home and do nothing. To, to just sit down and do nothing. Uh, but I am just something that came to mind. Could it be a, <clears throat> a time of rest? Like a time meaning like a, not like it's eight o'clock, but like a time, like a period, like a, a state no, that, of. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's not a, it's not a period because a period would then come to an end. It is a continual thing that the true rest of God that they were pushing for was the rest that you have in Messiah. And once you enter into Messiah, you don't bounce in and out of rest. You continually have rest, which again correlates to peace. Um, that rest is peace. You get that, that rest from peace. And the, uh, just give a definition of peace. Uh, freedom from disturbance, tranquility. And then the second one is a state or period in which there is no war or war has ended. Okay, well, the second one, the first statement, a state in which there is no war, uh, not rather a period, because, again, if you put it to a period, then it's just a period of time. It's, it's not uh, everlasting. And the rest, the final rest that God was talking about that the people of God will have is an eternal rest, meaning that when you come to circumcision of the heart, you have you enter into that rest, and that rest continues. That's why we're supposed to rejoice in suffering and struggle, and we're supposed to see it as have peace. If something's not going the way that I would like it to, then I have a peace. I because well, God knows what's going on, and it's in their hands. Instead of being frantic and panicked. And I uh, entering because faith in God with circumcision of the heart is not intended that you enter in, have peace today, but don't have peace tomorrow, and then have peace today, but don't have peace for four days. And then, no, when you truly have the rest of God. When you've entered into Messiah, and this is why it's important to know what you have when you're in Messiah, because if you're in Messiah and you're moping and grumbling or you're uh, you're worrying about things, okay, then you're not enjoying the rest that God has offered you. You're not doing it. It's not that the rest isn't there. If you're in Messiah with circumcision of the heart, the rest is there. But you have to recognize the rest, recognize what God says you have, and then 
it's your objective goal to carry it out. And so from God's perspective, the rest, the peace that surpasses all understanding is freedom from disturbance continually, eternally. So you enter into his rest, and that is the moment you have circumcision of the heart. And from that point forward, everything in your life is supposed to be intended in your mind as peace. And if you don't have that peace on a consistent, uh, continual basis, then you're not there yet. You, you haven't found that peace that surpasses all understanding, that rest of God. And it's important to understand that the rest that God is offering is rest from chaos, okay? And chaos is the continual war that goes on in your mind. Some has to do with sin, some has to do with fear, some has to do with uh, various other things in the world, but you're continually chaotic in your mind because you don't have that peaceful rest of God. And you have to recognize that you have that rest if you've entered into that rest, and then you have to implement and enjoy the rest that you have so that any suffering or any struggle that comes along, you go through it with a sense of peace and understanding. And here's the reality. If you take the word peace from the Hebrew perspective in uh, shalom and you take the Hebrew spelling of it and go back to the picture language for each letter, the picture language is for peace, which is shalom, is to destroy the authority attached to chaos. So you're removing chaos, and that's what God wants you to live in when you have circumcision of the heart that you don't worry about tomorrow. You don't worry about if you get sick. You don't worry about if you die. You don't worry about any of those things because I have this peace. I know I have this hope of salvation that I don't need to be concerned about what happens to me. Yes, are there going to still be struggles? Yes. Are there, is there going to be suffering? Yes. But if I have circumcision of the heart, then I have access to a peace that surpasses all understanding, which is a continual, eternal thing. And for me, I continually work through my lower conscience, shaping my mind in that perspective that, no, this is good. It, it doesn't feel good at the time, but it's good because it's teaching me something. God's letting it happen and because it's happening, it's happening for a reason. I trust that they know what they're doing, and therefore I have peace in the circumstance, just like after the uh, disciples or the apostles got beaten for preaching about Messiah, and what did they do? Oh, my gosh, that was so horrible. They beat us up, and no, it says they rejoiced. And rejoiced why? Because... 
They realized they were counted worthy because of Messiah, and therefore that and that peace that you don't have that chaotic, you don't have that worried about what's going to happen tomorrow and why it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And the objective goal in this is to know this in your mind. You still have programming from your past in your subconscious that you still have to dig into and make right that which is wrong, that there will be times where something will rise up and you meet it with, no, I'm not going to feel this way. And the reason I'm not going to feel this way is because I have faith in God and and I know it's absolutely true. So I am not going to let this affect my life. I'm going as a blessing. And that's where, again, like we talked about before, where in Messiah, everything that happens in your life becomes a blessing. Why? Because of that peace, because of that rest that you have. And that rest comes because of your trusting God. You want to put to death chaos? Trust God. The more you trust God, the more chaos goes away. That is a fact of it. And again, the Hebrew picture language Destroy the authority attached to chaos is what peace is where you find peace. So when you destroy chaos in your mind, you have peace. And and again, said before that this second peace or this second rest that God offers, you enter into it at one time, and it's con- it's considered that you will. Con- to walk in that perspective continually and eternally, even when we perish here and we get our entrance into the kingdom, we still walk in that peace. And again, as we're in this body of flesh, we're just continuing to beat the body into submission to take the subconscious and no, that's not right. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not accepting that as this as a tragedy in my life. I'm accepting this as a blessing. And what, what peace can I not have when I have that fullness of trust in God? But you have to have fullness of trust. And what that means is in your conscious mind, Your mind is set that no matter what happens, I trust God's going to, uh, God's going to take care of it. And if they don't, it doesn't matter because I'm going to be with them in the kingdom anyway. And then as things come out of your lower conscience, then you start to make those changes that correct those things. And now you're placing a good as peace in your subconscious. And it's a continual process of learning and growing and being able to understand who you are. And if you have chaos in your mind, one of two things, either you don't understand what you have in Messiah or you're not in Messiah. And so if you know you're in Messiah because you have the circumcision of the heart and you don't have guilt for sin, then recognize that this peace goes beyond just not having the guilt for sin. It goes to the point of 
suffering that comes your way that you accept it and you accept it willingly and freely that if this is my lot and my portion, God, I'm okay with it. I'm not going to uh, worry about it like I did in the past. And I, I, I was programmed by my mom for, for worry and I, I've come a long way from that old programming because of my trust that God is God. They know what they're doing. They're right, fair, and just. If I don't understand something, it doesn't matter because they're right, fair, and just. And therefore, I have no reason to not trust them, but I have every reason to trust them. And I know I have the hope of salvation. And so whatever comes my way, it's a blessing. It's peace. It's rest. And I can tell you that in my life now, I've never had the sense of calm and peace that I have now because of the faith in God, because of trusting in God. That's why I have it. It's not myself, and you cannot achieve that without God. You can find moments of tranquility or moments of peace, but those moments will be few and far between chaotic moments that that rule and govern and take over your mental, emotional, and spiritual life. I have this section of the word of God come to mind and it speaks to what, what Yah is speaking and says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Yeshua, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So the peace, the being in the fullness of God, you dwell in God, which is the fullness of peace. And it made me think of in the Torah where it says, which would be is referred to as the, the um, old Testament, the first four. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The Sabbath, meaning that day of rest that we're into Messiah, that you remain in him while in him is no sin. Being holy means that you are in the fullness of God, that God is holy where there is no sin in God. So you cannot be in Messiah if you still sin. If you claim to sin, you can't be in him or known him because you cannot have a house that's going to have the certificate of occupancy if sin is still there. Mother has to come in and it'd be just like termites or anything like that in a house. She's got to completely eradicate sin completely get it all out before she'll be able to dwell forever because mother can enter you, but she can't dwell there forever unless sin is taken away. She can come upon people. It just makes you think the, the house being swept clean, as it says in the word that makes sure it gets occupied, meaning mother would occupy your house. And then therefore, as long as she stays there, anything, demons or anything like that would never be able to enter uh, because mother is there. And just made me think about the Sabbath day, 
which the day is when you enter into Messiah and you remain in him. So it's a eternal, as long as you don't turn away from it, it's an eternal rest where eternal life is. And it's just that continued fellowship, companionship with God forever. And Yah has laid it out very specifically, very methodically on how to find that rest. And what stood out to me with that is we have peace with God. Well, how are you going to have peace with God if you still claim that you sin? Well, sin is disobedience and chaos to God. So therefore, Yah has made a way so that Messiah comes, that he gives his life for sin once, so that by faith in him, sin will be removed from you, so that you can have reconciliation, you can have peace with God. That how can you be reconciled to God if you still disobey? If you still have a mindset of disobedience, you could not be reconciled to God. You're still an enemy of God. That's the thing is that the ones that are disobedient. So Messiah has come to do his work so that those that are obedient to God can have fellowship with God, can have peace, can have reconciliation. It clearly says that be reconciled to God. That's the point you have in Messiah. You have the reconciliation. You have the meeting of God that, okay, now we have reconciliation. In my son, there's peace now that even though we were afar off in our old way of sinful life, we're brought near by the blood of Messiah. So the work that has been done by faith in Messiah, we have peace with God. And not only do we have it, we must remain in it. Because if not, and we want to go to the old ways, we blaspheme Yah, and then we go back to the chaos that we had before. So God has come so that you can find that true peace in them. And it's still a process because you still have all the programming that's within you, but knowing having Messiah will give us the opportunity to actually live out that peace that surpasses all understanding, which... That's why we're called to trust in Yah with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, because if we lean on our own understanding, then we're going to have chaos instead of having the peace that God intended. But if you don't go through the steps that are necessary to find the peace or to be in the peace, then you're not going to find it. Do you have a scripture? I do. Uh, as you were talking there, uh, I had this thought come to mind and, uh, this is a good one for what we're talking about with this uh, peace and this rest and how it's Messiah has the, the power to uh, give you this peace and rest when you walk as he did, when you live as your life as he did. And I'll just read this section uh, from Mark. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, took him along. Just as he was, <clears throat> just as he was in the boat, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves break over the broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Yeshua was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, 
be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So if the wind and the waves obey him like that, then certainly by your faith in him, there's nothing that uh, can can bother you, nothing. And again, uh, you know, he was in the stern sleeping. This whole storm and stuff's happening all around him. And he's not worried about the storm. He's not thinking, oh, my gosh, it's storming and we're in trouble and we need to we need to do something. No, that's what the disciples were. And it's so important that we recognize that the disciples who were in fear woke him up. You know, people who get it, get themselves in sin and cry out to Messiah, Messiah, help me, help me, I need your help. Well, when you have that peace that surpasses all understanding, you're not worried about the wind and the waves and whether they're crashing over the boat or whatever. He's there. And when you trust in him, you will act as he did. Look at the, the lack of chaos within Messiah to be just sleeping in that condition, not, not having the panic that those who did not believe yet had. They were the ones that had the panic because they did not believe yet. Do you still have no faith? Yes, you still have no faith because I'm with you. And when you know Messiah is with you, you don't worry about those things. But again, they weren't able to see that until later on after he ascended, and then they had the Spirit come upon them in uh, Pentecost, then when they were open to have that peace because that's what changed their lives. That's what took these people who were hiding in uh, in the inner room uh, away from everybody to standing out on the uh, in the temple courts preaching, even to the point of taking beatings and rejoicing because they took the beating, where before they had mother enter into them, they were hiding, staying away. And of course, Messiah don't don't go out until you have this peace that surpasses all understanding. Don't go out until you have, you have this rest, and that rest was mother coming into them. Then mother came into them. Now they go out, and they become a completely different person. Peter, the one who de- denied Messiah three times, standing up in front of the crowd, uh, telling them how they crucified the Son of God. I, it's just amazing that it's in the word of God. It shows you that when you trust Messiah, when you have faith, when you have the hope of salvation, there is no need for fear of anything. And that's ultimately what was driving this chaotic mindset that they had in the boat was their fear of dying. 
Well, why were they afraid of dying? Well, the Bible tells us that all fear has to do with punishment, that fear has to do with punishment, and they didn't want to die because they knew they'd be punished because they didn't have the uh, faith. And it wasn't until after Messiah ended and mother came and entered into them that they then were able to have that peace, that rest, that you can only find in Messiah. And it's not, again, that peace is not have it today and not tomorrow. Have it now, but don't have it 10 minutes from now or two hours from now. No, it's a, I have it now. I have it two hours from now. I have it two weeks from now. I have it two years from now. I have it eternally that I don't concern myself with things that come my way because I have the hope of salvation. And like Paul said, that what we experience here will pale in comparison to the glory that will be seen when we reveal to us what we will get. And so any kind of uh, strain or struggle or pain that I can go through here will be way more worth going through because of what I'm going to receive than to be spared that now and receive it in hell. I had a scripture come to my mind. I was looking for it, but then wasn't able to find it, but it's it's been given to me in my mind. So Nebuchadnezzar, when made a decree that you're not going to be praying to this God and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting ready to be thrown into this fiery furnace and telling Nebuchadnezzar that our God will save us, but if he doesn't, I will not bow down and worship you or go against God in, in any way. So go ahead and throw us in the furnace. And when they got thrown in the furnace, one like the son of the gods was with them. And even the ones that were heating up the furnace got burned by heating it up. And when they came out, not even a smell, any indication of any fire or any burning. So it just shows shows me and to those listening as well from Yah that find the fullness of faith to where you'll enter into that furnace and you have one just you have God with you and when you come out that you won't have any stench of fire or burning but if you don't do like they did and renounce your selfishness and turn to God then when you stand before God you'll be thrown into the furnace but you won't be able to escape so it just gives a picture of it was because of their trust in God that they feared God. And that's why that they stood up to Nebuchadnezzar and said, we will not do what you say. And they weren't putting a guarantee. They weren't testing God to say, you watch this, throw us in the furnace and God will save us. They said, no, we know that God has the ability to raise the dead because they're God and they'll save us because in the end they will save us. They may not save us from death in this furnace, but they will save our lives but no matter what they do, that's in their hands. But we tell you this, it's like that pledge of a good conscience. I will not follow your ways. I'm following God. Choose this day whom you will serve. So that pledge of a good conscience is what saved them. That when they were thrown in the furnace, the ones that threw them in died and they came out. 
And why did they come out? Because they trusted God, that God was there with them in the furnace, just like in faith, God is with you through the struggle, that it's for refining, that just like gold, you put gold in a fire for refinement to get the impurities to rise to the top. So you stay in that furnace to have your impurities rise to the top to skim them off so that you come out purified and you come out blameless so that you could be presented holy and without fault in their presence. That's the point of you go into the furnace for refinement, not for punishment and everlasting torment in this situation. So this is just another, everything that Yah gives us is a, is a benefit. But for those listening in that seeking with all your heart, keep doing it and Yah will lead you where they will lead you to get to the next step. And you will find that rest and peace, which is beyond all understanding. And you can live your life here. You don't have to go on vacation to have peace and rest. You can have peace and rest while you're working. And you can have that peace and rest when you're on vacation, you go on trips, things like that. But the point is, is to live the life of God, live the life of peace now. Don't wait until retirement. because If you don't have this faith in God, you can be in retirement and live in chaos. And retirement itself doesn't bring peace. It just brings you just changing to do other things. So the ultimate rest and peace is found in God and do whatever you can. Just like the word says, whatever you you do, give up everything to get wisdom. Well, do whatever you can. Give up your very selfishness to find this faith so that you can have the true peace and rest that is found in the fullness of God. And it's interesting because people go on vacations and they uh, retire because they're looking for peace. They're looking for that, uh, that rest. And so, you know, I've been working hard. And so we're going on, we're going on vacation for a week, but you sit there and why is it so difficult for you to get back into the swing of things when you come back? Because you didn't find rest where you went. As a matter of fact, you know, if people go on vacation and they're looking for paradise and they, they, because they want that rest. And then how come they're out there and uh, people like it happens on cruise ships and well, it happens pretty much everywhere that people end up in altercations uh, because somebody else is doing something and well, I came here to find peace and you're messing up my peace. And the reality is, is that you can't find peace that way. Because peace doesn't come from a place you go. It comes from a state of mind. It comes from a, a trust perspective. And you, you'll, people will go on vacation. How many times in the past uh, did you go on vacation with your family and everything was just calm, serenity, tranquil, all the whole time, you never had an argument with your wife or you're, you're yelling at the kids because of what they've done. And no, and in essence, and this is something that uh, my wife had talked about before, that you're not going off in a different place. You're not going, you're not finding a place of rest. You're just living life in a different place. And that place cannot give you the rest that you need. God is the one who can give you the rest that you need. Now, you can rest physically, and you can take a vacation physically, but how many people actually take a, week, a week's vacation and do nothing? 
No, you're always, oh, we got to go to this and we're going to here. And then after that, we're going to go to the movie and then we go back in and then we go here and we go there and we go. <clears throat> but you're not going to find that rest in those vacations. And that's why people go on vacation. They come back and man, I can't let go next year. Why would you be thinking about next year if you've had that rest? If you've had that peace, it'd be like, oh, man, I'm just so thankful for that. And, but most people, I would say the greatest majority of people, if they're honest, would recognize that they go on vacation. It's not peaceful. It's not uh, tranquil. Uh, you can have moments of tranquility. But then there'll be that argument or that fight or that, well, when you find the peace of God, what reason do you have to fight? What reason do you have to argue? You know, why are there fights and quarrels among you? Because of your selfishness. Because you covet. Because you cannot have what you want. And what you ask for, you want to spend on your own pleasure rather than it being about everybody for everybody. And it's just a reality. Yeah, you get to go see various different places. But are you really finding rest in those places? Some people go on vacation and take work with them. And somehow they think they're on vacation. Well, you didn't do work. You're still doing work. And what does that do for the people that went with you who were expecting you to do stuff with them and relax and, and enjoy? And again, it's just the deceptions that come along with the world that people don't do it intentionally. They honestly think that the vacation is going to give them that rest they need. But honestly, I would say most people, when they come back, their first couple days at work are just a drag. They didn't get the rest that they were looking for. I mean, for me, I've learned to enjoy my job. If, if, if I'm going to enjoy my job, I have to want to do what I'm, I have to want to do what I'm doing, not do it for a paycheck not do it because I have to, I do it because I want to. And I've trained myself to enjoy my job so that when we go away and then we come back, I have no problem falling into that next day's work because that's, I don't mind doing it. I like my job. I, I enjoy my job. And so you either, you either figure out how to like your job or find something that you can do that you want, which will help you to like your job. But I will say for me, the greatest ability for me to do that did not come in my mind. It came from faith first and then changing my mind that, you know what? I'm not looking at Mondays. I like Mondays. I, I get up, I go to work. I do my job. I enjoy it. I don't make Monday any heavier or any worse than Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. I, for me, I've learned to train myself from that perspective that I don't care 
about what happens on Monday because I have a job to do and I'm going to do the best I can. And if I get it done, great. If not, guess what? I'll pick it up on Tuesday. I'll, I'll pick up where I left off. And then if I get it done Tuesday, great. If I don't get it done Tuesday, there'll be Wednesday. As long as I'm doing the best I can, then it doesn't matter. It, it, it's, I go to work because there's work to do. If I get it done, I get it done. Now, if I'm being lazy and I'm purposely not getting done, I'm procrastinating with it, well, that's my, that's my issue. Then, but the reality is we want people to know that faith in God with circumcision of the heart you have access to the peace that surpasses all understanding, the rest of God, that every single day can be a joy to you. Uh, you You can stay up four nights in a row because somebody kept you awake four nights in a row, but you don't care because you find rest in God. You find rest in the fact that I don't have to worry about uh, ending up in the abyss in hell. So what, what does it matter? I don't sleep for an hour. Or I don't sleep for four days or I don't sleep for a week. What, what, what does that matter? The, the concept is, is that we find a place of peace, and but we have to accept it. We have to accept reality that God has given us in Messiah and walk in that reality. But don't fake it. If you don't, don't fake it. Recognize either you have it or you don't. If you have it, walk in it and live it. And if you don't, then faith until you find that place of peace and rest. That way, there's nothing that can come to you that will... I uh, get you in a place of chaos and turmoil because again, it's your conscious mindset that this is what I'm going to do. I'm putting to death the chaos and I'm not going to, when I leave work, I leave work. Uh, I'm not obligated to think about it all night long and, no, why should I worry about it? If something's going on, I'll figure it out when I go in. But we have to train ourselves to get that garbage out of our lower conscience in order to be able to see an increase and in growth in the the rest perspective that Yah has for us. And I can vouch I, from my perspective, that this is absolutely true. And when you enter into Messiah, you have a beautiful thing. Recognize it and be it. Live in it. And Phil, we'll end with on the podcast this evening, and this just came to mind. Vacation and Finding peace is not about vacation, but about location. And what came to mind is that make 
You have the fullness of faith in Messiah, the location, having the fullness of faith dwelling, having the fullness of deity in bodily form is where you you find that peace. But once you have it, you've got to embrace it and lay hold of it and benefit from it. Because if not, then what's the use of having it? But in a job that I used to have, there was a, I always get a kick out of looking at signs that people have motivational little signs and things on their desk. And this one always stood out to me and it says, I'm having a great day. Don't ruin it. And when I look at that, what it should say is I'm having a great day and it's not going to be ruined unless I let somebody else because it's really up to each person. Monday and Fridays don't have to be a good day or a bad day that each day, every day of your life can be good and functional. And it's all in your mindset because it's all about how stuff affects you from the inside, not what the outside does because, and we'll end with this peace is internal. Peace is not external. If you want peace, it's found internal by faith in Messiah, and it's all about putting to death chaos inside you, regardless of what anybody else does. So thank you all for listening this evening and whenever you may listen. And uh, Lord willing, we'll be back with you on Saturday for the next podcast. Everybody have a good evening. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed.